Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 335 on Tuesday, the 16th of June, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be asking if green is the new virtue signaling colour. We'll be talking about more collaboration between OEMs, and we discuss why sometimes it is best not to recreate something. But first, we have a bit of follow-up. And it's quite juicy if it's true. This is cracking follow-up. I am going to start this and absolutely couch this totally in this is allegedly and this is supposedly and <laughs> this is it's not often we go in for quite rumory type stuff but this is on automotive news europe's own website so they feel sufficiently confident to put this up themselves and mm. i will also start by saying that nissan themselves say that the emails i'm about to discuss are not true and are fake however <laughs> a series of emails have been seen which appear not appear but if they are true fully back up carlos gones statement from the very beginning that he's been set up he has always claimed that there was a conspiracy to get rid of him out of the company and these there is a bunch of emails that that are from the i'm just trying to get it's to a the chap right. called uh harry nader yeah harry nader nissan's chief executive office yep and he was also their uh, lawyer as well i think mm-hmm. he was a, a or he's definitely from a legal background but he w- he basically was emailing the head of nissan to say Essentially, they are trying to consolidate power. They want to uh, combine us with Renault. And, and Nada has been telling Saikawa, you're going to lose out because you're you're the head of Nissan and Nissan's in a really weak position because if we remember, there's a whole bunch of voting rights that Renault had and then the French government had because they own yeah. <laughs> shares in Renault. So, you know, it really does get quite murky and amazing that that actually was the situation frankly you'll remember just that a lot of this is to do with the the fact that Renault and in turn the french government had significantly more or has significantly more power over nissan than nissan has over Renault, uh, yeah. and that a lot of that goes back to Renault essentially bailing nissan out a few years ago yeah i, I will have this article in the show notes and you do need to go read it because i am not going to run through every specific detail that's mentioned but it really does look, again, if these emails are in fact real and they what they pertain is true, then it looks exactly like Gone has said and he has been completely stitched up. But even worse, Greg Kelly has been stitched up because mm-hmm. Nada got Kelly to leave the US and go to Japan so he could be arrested in Japan. Yeah. Uh, Nada entered into a plea bargaining agreement with the Japanese government. So. Yeah. The mobile version of the story, just so you know, is uh, 13 pages of A4. It's a fairly decent, chunky read. Yep. There, and that's been one heck of a summary. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh, new news then. Uh, what's happened in the last week? As ever, referring to the autocar epistle on the, on, on all of this stuff. Uh, James Atwood's magnificent octopus. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Quick announcements this week. Uh, Ellesmere Port won't reopen until after the 1st of September. That's described as because of the commercial situation of the Asta model. Uh, Asta? Astra model built there. Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, and that's only going to open if demand goes up enough. Yes. Well, let's just see. I mean, they're coaching everything. Yeah, uh, hopefully it will be by then. <laughs> I would hope so. Now that, that, that it... Yes, the next couple of months' worth of, of SMMT figures are going to be very interesting. Yeah. London to Brighton car run. They're not actually making any decisions until July. Events meant to run the 1st of November. So they're waiting to see. They really want to run it uh, in some form uh, this year. But, of course, safety, etc. Yep. Uh, motorsport sort of on its way back your mutterings about that mm. fiat are going to resume panda production uh whilst motorsport uk is providing ppe to event organizers that's part of the the route back to to vague normality no formula one in singapore japan and azerbaijan they've all been cancelled psa for Vauxhall, so you can go by your astro estate Peugeot and citroen uh, have started an online web-based showroom virtual Sounds showroom. A lot like a I website to me virtual showroom yes thank you but i think more more to the point is the fact that they are offering slots where you can have a video tour of the car speak to an expert you know mm -hmm. basically what you would do if you went in the showroom yeah essentially but just via a, a facetime call or something like that that's a pretty sensible way of doing it yeah so that's across all the all the brands, and they're doing them 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. every day as well, so you can get them sort of after hours. It's not just office hours, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. The only other thing for me was that the Driver and Vehicle Standards Agency was unable to clarify when driving lessons and tests would be allowed to start again. The expectation is from the 6th of July, but there's no confirmation yet, and the DVSA has ordered a, a sackload of uh, PPE for all driving examiners to ensure safety. I mean, it just seems quite tricky, because if we remember, there was mutterings about, well, yes, you can travel in same cars as people as long as you look the other way and stuff like that, which just wasn't It's a bit realistic. tricky for a driving instructor. <laughs> well, uh, for a driver anyway, you know. <laughs> I, think I can only look passengers. to the right. As long as I just go around this roundabout, we're safe. <laughs> um, that also, that does explain the the number of um, sort of family hatchbacks with L plates on that you see sort of lurching slowly around uh, the place right at the minute, I think, yeah. obviously, to keep people in practice. There's sort of parental driving lessons going on. Yeah. Quite but, a lot right at the moment. Yeah, but I think they were the main the main things in the uh, automotive world yeah lots of bits and pieces this week much more than i was expecting yeah there yeah, is lots yeah. of lots of little um interesting bits but we're going to move on to today's news that the government has given the green light to electric cars green number plates okay right now this when this was first mentioned we did rather poo poo it for virtue signaling Yes. And I am still very much of that camp, although I have seen a few people saying, oh, but the the uh, or the authorities will be able to see if it is an electric vehicle that's in a crash quickly. And you sort of go, ah, right, now. D did those people really all have adenoids? Yes, I'm sure okay. of it. Okay. I'm sure of it, the one or two that I saw, because I'm basically <laughs> not on the internet at the minute. <laughs> but I think that's frankly a load of tosh that if an electric vehicle is that unsafe that you have to rush to it before any other vehicles 
I don't know. Hang on. I don't think that that's very fair. Sorry. I, I am going to defend this point of view. Go on, then, because I will shoot it down. Don't worry. It's more about shocks and that kind of thing. And whilst it's blatantly obvious if it's a Tesla, and it's far more obvious if it's if it's a, a Zoe or something, which is an EV-only model, some EVs nowadays are not obviously EVs. So, like your Audi e-tron, your Mercedes M cube, there, 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 whatever it is, the one that looks like a bar of soap, and any of these. So it's not as obvious, and it gives a thing. Now, I'm I'm with you. I am, you know, but I I'm saying that these are these are the arguments I've seen. I dis I, I well just I know you're not specifically just arguing with me about it. You're just put, putting the other point of view across because we've got plenty of other things we could just argue about. Yeah. But, uh, the first responders have to deal with petrol and diesel vehicles carefully, so they would be going into this te- dealing with anything carefully anyway. Yeah. And whilst I agree, there are there are more vehicles appearing, and depending on the type of incident, it would could be difficult to spot, like you say, a, an e-Golf or a mm-hmm. Audi e-tron if it's been properly smashed up. I don't think they will be... I think they are now probably approaching all incidents thinking, right, we have to look out for petrol, diesel, and electric. My what about that, hybrids? To, to be honest... What about be honest, hybrids? Because exactly. these aren't for hybrids either. No. So to be honest, if it was that bad, you'd probably have lost your number plate. Your number plate would be... Yeah, eligible. Exactly. So, so that's like phase number one of, of of that one. The other one I have heard is that it can be that it might be useful uh, for local authorities and traffic people to spot whether or not there is an EV uh, that whether or not there is a non EV icing and EV charging spot. But again, if they don't, if you've got a plug-in hybrid and therefore doesn't qualify for these, you're still allowed to use public yeah, chargers. Exactly. So that argument falls down as well. So mostly it's virtue signaling toss. Is that, is uh, that what we're basically saying? Well, I, I was thinking about this. Um, the people who would want them, yes. But the decision in the first place, I think perhaps it's a case of, oh, well, we've listened. And look, mm. we're reacting uh, positively in something that doesn't actually cost us anything and makes it look as though we're a listening uh, organisation stroke government. Right, right. I thought you needed to be a footballer for that. <laughs> uh, but yes, there is. So there's all that. And and the other part of it is that the different regions, so I imagine by different regions, I imagine it means England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, uh, can then decide just how they're going to, to treat those should we if if they're going to bring in green ones should there be skull and crossbones if you have an older diesel yeah possibly uh, yeah. and and if you're a petrol then you're allowed there blue should, there should be something else yeah because yeah, you know we, we have to we have to be able to see from afar who we're going to dislike yes and why um <laughs> th- there was one uh, there was a one last argument uh that i saw and that was that in country in some countries like austria where the speed limits vary for pollution control reasons, that if you're driving a zero emission vehicle, you are allowed to drive at certain times of the day, you are allowed to drive faster than if you're driving a non which just sounded. I don't know. It sounds like a really very anyway, unconvincing but... and was grasping at straws type argument. 
Uh, because ANPR. Yes, <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, so I, I feel that we've attempted uh, through this to try and give a balanced view of both sides and have put forward the arguments in both in both directions. But I think everyone's quite clear in how we stand on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've still done a better job than question type, but we're, you know, this is still relatively. Yes, I think it's quite clear where we stand. Right, charge your glasses, <sighs> ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of hybrids, a 1.8 litre Corolla high hatchback hybrid has rolled off the Burniston factory uh, in Derbyshire, making it to the four and a half millionth British built Toyota. Well, well done, Toyota, because that's less than 30 years. But seriously, I mean, congratulations. That's a lot of vehicles in 29-ish years. Do you want some nerd numbers? Because I really like that. Well, it wouldn't uh, be a, a, a Toyota article from you if there wasn't, would it? No, well, that's true. Uh, so a car rolls off the line every 89 seconds. So that's 3,000 vehicles a week and about 150,000 a year. 90% of those are exported uh, principally to Europe. Uh, yeah, and it was a left-hand drive one as well. So it was on its way to a customer in Poland. I wonder if they get something special for that. But yes, four and a half million starting with the... It doesn't say it on here. So I assume it's starting with the Carina E... Or the original Corolla, before the the reimagining of the Corolla. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was the, well, yes, that that was built there too. But the uh, the Carina E was um, was, I believe, the first. Mm. Okay, built in Europe. Excellent. I cool. will get shot down if I've got that wrong, but I'm prepared to put myself forward. Toyota Media Department has your number. They do. Yes. <laughs> right, moving on to uh, less positive news, uh, and that is the fact that uh, JLR have announced a $422 million loss for the last financial year. They, If we remember, they had a really decent 2019 hmm. because we were beginning to get really very worried about them, but they'd started their restructuring and cost-cutting exercises, and that had had a positive effect uh, for 2019. But... Um, for up to the fact that the first quarter of 2020, funnily enough, can't think what that may have involved. No. It's been obviously quite catastrophic for them, as it will have been for every other single OEM out there. I, so I, I don't... I'm not too put... Out, I'm not surprised by this. I'm not overly put out by this because I don't feel it's going to be any different from anyone else. No. They just happen to be the first to have announced. Yeah, and, and it doesn't help for them that the fact that they are undergoing a model restructuring and these cost-cutting exercises and stuff. I mean, they've now announced that they're going to increase the cost-cutting plans, but every OEM will be doing cost-cutting plans now, mm -hmm. even if they haven't mentioned it publicly. Uh, mm -hmm. Part of that is that 1,100 agency staff are going to be made redundant. Again, agency staff are always the first to go. But, but they do that, and then two months later, they hire all the agency staff back again. Yes, so just exactly. remember that, everyone, when you see some of these numbers. It's normal in the car industry. It's what happens. Yes, absolutely. And don't forget, we were talking last week about how they are going to be upgrading the Castle Bromwich site so that uh -huh. it's ready to go straight into producing the electric XJ when that is uh, revealed, announced, and um, and available to buy for uh, customers. 
But JLR themselves are not actually that down about it. They're quite bullish, actually. They've said that they just they they have just missed out on breaking even before you talk about interest and taxes. And they had uh, what they claim is solid liquidity of five point six billion. What what on earth? It's, it's ice. It's a, it's, it's um, internal combustion engines. Okay. And that of that, they've got three point seven billion cash and one point nine billion undrawn credit facility. So they've got no. cash in place, but they were asking for help from the government a few weeks ago as well. So I think there's they've they have to balance the information they're putting out. <laughs> Otherwise, the government may turn around and go, "Well, hang on, you're telling everyone you're fine, and yet you still want cash." Yeah, us, but so. some of them are, you know, will need to be longer term as opposed to shorter term, and it's you know, it, it, it's finance, it's complex, and it's to do with cash flow rather than yeah. the actual desperate need for cash because cash or because yeah. you've got nothing. You know, it's it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they 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 see. Uh, positivity in the fact that china is opening again although the news today from china is the the country is potentially not so good but that would reverberate around the world for everyone mm. and like i say they, if they can get this uh electric xj out i am sure that will sell really well uh as uh, including on everything else so they seem to be quite positive about it, knowing it's tough. It, what I'm getting from all the information that I've read about this and the, the press releases from JLR is they understand it's really tough, but they think they can do it. Yeah. And I think that's... I, th- well, I mean, of course, they're not going to say anything too negative, but I think that's all we can expect. It's chirpier than they were, you know, in parts last year, for example. Yeah. I, I mean, if this had happened before... For the takeover that they had, I think the the way that the information coming out would have been a lot more negative. I, think, I agree. I think they are being helped and managed and are managing themselves better. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, 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 get, I get that impression anyway. Yeah. Speaking of... Uh, manufacturers uh, will continue with that theme and Ford and Volkswagen last week uh, announced their global alliance and they didn't just say we're going to have a global alliance and leave it at that they actually released an awful lot of information mm. it was a cracking press release actually <laughs> it, I, you can't often say this about <laughs> press releases but it made for really interesting reading uh, often they, they can be a little bit dry when it mm. comes to these things, and have been very much lawyerified. They've entered into uh, an agreement that covers a couple of things. It covers EVs, Ford EV, and it will start, though, with... Well, they, they started, they agreed in, in, in January last year to look at commercial vehicle development, yep. expanded into pickups, and the last part is is EVs, EV platforms and knowledge going from... Uh, going from Volkswagen to Ford, and brace yourself, Andrew, AI type stuff going from uh, going from Ford to Volkswagen. Well, I know that the Volkswagen have ponied up the cash in Igo now. Um, yeah, Ar- Argo, Argo, sorry, not Igo. Argo, it's Argo AI. Toyota yeah, would be it's... delighted, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Especially the amounts that are being talked about as well. That's an awful lot of Igos <laughs> into Argo. Uh, so. 
you know, the, the I think Volkswagen have had a hard lesson mm-hmm. with the Golf and the ID3 software that you know what software is quite complicated, especially yeah. if you are coming relatively fresh into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, I am a more confident in their products going forward that they have gone to specialists in specialist areas that reassures me a bit rather than trying to say we can do it we can do all this it's not a problem they've they've decided to collaborate in certain areas and that reassures me for their future and that's not a very volkswagen thing to do by the way because they're very much vertically integrated organization we we sit here we make fun of the fact that it's sort of middle-aged white guy soup every time they have a rearrangement of of you know people coming you know people from within volkswagen Mm. being promoted through volkswagen but that partly i guess is down to that vertical integration so to actually be going out to others and to partner up which is i don't know can other than the sprinter stroke lt35 or crafter i can't think of another volkswagen association where it's it's a it's a it's a collaboration. No, it's no. The only, that's the only one I could think of because I was thinking about this earlier on. So to actually be partnering up like this is a massive step for Volkswagen. It really is. The electric platform, by the way, is going to be the MEB one. So that is the uh, I've forgotten what it's called now. ID three. ID three. Thank you. Uh, platform. Of course, that's going to underpin Seat, Skodas, and Audis as well. For Ford are saying that that their EV will be highly differentiated and it'll be designed and engineered uh, in 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 European headquarters in Cologne, uh, and and will be very different. But you can do that with EV. That's one of the that's well, one of the joys of it. Also, what I'd say is I'm getting the impression that it is not going to be anything like the uh, Rebel Alliance announcement where basically it's a rebudging exercise depending on the market. No, this I, seems I... to be that it's certain parts of the technology are going to be mm-hmm. shared, but it's not like the upper body panels. However, no. they, they will be, they're obviously going to be quite similar because the, it is the same platform which will have the same restrictions. But I yeah. think you, you will look at one and go, that's clearly a transit. That's clearly the um, Volkswagen Caravelle. Yeah, well, the the MEB, there'll be the similar hard points anyway. So, yes, so uh, van, one-ton cargo van, so that's small transits and Volkswagen transporters, uh, essentially, are are going to be on the van side and the Ford Ranger stroke Volkswagen Amarok uh, replacements will be the pickup truck side, and that's already well underway. Yeah. So the pickup will go on sale in 2022. No, but it's interesting that they've how quickly they've moved from their first announcement about this towards the back end of last year, mm-hmm. and how how deep the integration is going, which I think goes to show how much potential trouble the car industry was in anyway that people were seeing on the horizon, mm-hmm. and the fact that coronavirus has just rammed into every weakness in the yeah. whole industry now. I think that this was already well underway before all of this. Mm-hmm. Because it I mean it was wasn't start of this year, it was it was the start of last year when the first mutterings came out about the the commercial vehicle stuff and the pickups. Um I I so I think it was well underway 
I don't imagine it will actually have changed their plans much, but I'm sure that it's one of the reasons why they're quite happy to talk about it, to let everyone know what they're up to. Mm -hmm. Right, we're going to move now on to a new vehicle. Well, it's not just specifically a new vehicle, but this is a new announcement from Desha. And it's rather interesting because it's like we've gone back in time. They've announced that they're going to offer LPG versions across their range, including coming vehicles coming to the UK. Now, there was a, a big splurge of companies offering a little bit of this, but it was conversions was the main industry mm-hmm. for LPGs in this country. What was it, about 15, Ooh, 20 years getting, ago? Getting that way, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more, 15 to 18, because we actually had an LPG pump when I'd finished university, which okay. I... I ran now, and it was conversions then because that was when they started. Mm. And then Saab offered the bi fuel ra- range, and Vauxhall offered dual fuel on, I think, Astra's, definitely Vectra's as well, which were really intended for the fleet market. So it's very unusual to see factory LPG vehicles on sale here in in the uk far more popular in holland for example that's where i tend to see them and other parts other parts of europe and so the uh, am i correct that the lpg is mainly from biofuels as well um no not really it's just like bottled gas to be honest it's liquid petroleum gas right Uh, yeah yeah. um so so no it it is it's a kind of byproduct from the uh, from from the oil industry, and it is, as I say, it's the same as bottled gas. So, if you counted up the LPG vehicles in the in this whole country, you'd probably find that forklift trucks were the biggest users. Yeah, I remember when I worked in a distribution center, they were all LPGs. LPG, uh, all, yeah. So red canister with a black black stripe around it, uh, because it's for sitting sideways. I did I did my gas handling course once, uh, <laughs> but no, the real reason for doing this is that. Running an LPG emits significantly less CO2. So by doing this, Dacia can bring down the average CO2 of their range, one hopes, depending on how successful it is. And yeah, without having to invest in costly uh, and heavy uh, hybrid technology uh, or any of these things. So you extend the range, you lower the CO2. And I'm curious to see, I, I imagine there are other manufacturers who will be sitting watching this quite, with interest. I mean, it's not fashionable. Dear Suzuki, please yeah, stick please. LPG tanks in your chimneys. <laughs> yeah, if you can find space for it. But that's the thing that they're saying about the duster yeah. and the, the Sendero, that the the fuel tank is not going to take up boot space. So they've no. managed to re-engineer underneath so it all fits. You'd put a donut tank in where the spare wheel was. Okay. I bet you that's what they've done. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's the neatest way to do it, and it makes sure it's all within the, you know, within the wheelbase and stuff like that. Okay, I, I think that that's quite interesting. Th- there are actually loads of LPG stations; they're just not really very well signposted. We've got a couple local to us, which yeah, are, are still used well enough. I think it's obviously more used in uh, more rural areas where people tend to keep their cars for longer. Yeah. So they will have yeah. had the conversion or a, or a factory fitted one, and will just be going back. Or they've bought a big four, or they need a big four wheel drive for towing or whatever yeah. else. So they they've got one of those converted. I'm intrigued by this. I really am. Um, this one's definitely worth getting in touch with Daisha for, yeah, as be, far as I'm concerned. Be interesting to see how how this pans out. Uh, I mean, mm. I hope it is a, a way that they can reduce the CO2s. 
in an economical way for them in the meantime of them having to develop more hybrid type technology Mm -hmm. yeah cunning one yeah that brings us to i guess it's probably about halfway through actually end of the first part we we never say halves anymore (laughs) no i know it's hugely biased one way or the other yes uh just quickly it's probably going to be the first time we do this one but it's it's worth reminding you that if you have the a some cash burning a hole in your pocket then instead of donating it to us because we've had our we've had our patron on freeze for the last three months it will i do intend on letting it just restart at the beginning of july which was always kind of what we said well it was what we said but in the meantime if you have uh, cash burning a hole in your pocket or there's money that you would have donated uh, given to us via the patron uh, then we recommend that you um, that you donate it to a charity that is relevant to you if you are stuck for a charity, then we recommend the Mission Motorsport COVID-19 Response Fund. Uh, Mission Motorsport, uh, as we've said so many times, is trying to put in place the framework they need to support their beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster so well in person to take place online. Uh, as there has been every single week since the start of all the lockdown-y stuff, there's a link in our show notes uh, where you can find out more and you can f- use to donate. Absolutely. Right, moving on to WRC, and yes, there is still some news, because I noticed as well, Toyota are testing in Finland at the moment. They are. They are, and uh, it it is fabulous to see a car thrashing around a forest again, I have to say. Uh, not that I have been bored, because the likes of VHS Rallies, who has done a superb job on on the YouTubes with bringing us... Well, if you are of a certain age bringing us rallies that we saw in our youth, which then was the first, was the reason we now are very, very interested in rallies. So, But I, I digress here. And the news from Toyota, it's uh, a good digression though. The news from Toyota is that they are not going to be bringing the new GR Yaris to WRC next year. And the reason for that is, and it's fairly, fairly uh, obvious, but, they they don't have the time to develop it. Plus, in twenty twenty two, they've got to do, they've got to change to the hybrid regulations. So they're going to be doing an awful lot of work, expensive work, to then have to change it all again within twelve months. So they'll hmm. be doing development. So they'll basically be doing a full on redevelopment cycle for a year solid, rather than development cycle and imp- improving. It'll just be, we've done that development cycle, we've got to improve, but we've also now got to develop this other vehicle that's coming out to these new wrecks. So they're just going to stick with the existing car, which I think yep. is sensible and cost-efficient. Well, yes, yes. More sadly. importantly, because we don't want manufacturers pulling out of motorsport, please. There is a something that worries me about this, I'm sure you're aware, is that uh, current regulations mean that you need 2,500 production cars to homologate against. Um, it means they now don't Toyota now don't need the GR Yaris in their range. That's minorly terrifying for some of us. Yet, well, they don't. They don't. They, the reason for Wouldn't the body star was for to homologate it. Not necessarily. I don't know. I think we should ask someone. Yes, Toyota WRC dot com. I will. I guess. <laughs> 
We'll I'm sure, sure you know someone in Toyota that could possibly yeah, help right, you right, out right. with that, Alan. Yeah. And then you can bring it back as follow-up next week. I uh, can't promise I'll have it done that soon. But yes, uh, I will endeavour to bring it back as follow-up at some point. Thank you. It's an action. Yes, write it down. We'll give you a deadline. Uh, right, the, the other bit of motorsport news, and this is was that the first ever official virtual, uh, sorry, 24 hours of Le Mans virtual was held at the weekend. Now, this was a full-on proper production. Did, did you see any of it? I saw a lot of it. Oh, right. Oh, good. I saw it, which is why it's in here, because I knew you wouldn't have, because you were busy being a man of the land. <laughs> Arr. Tilling your soil and things like that. But... Uh, but this was uh, organised and run officially. So it was by the uh, AO... No, ACO. ACO, yes. Who, whose name I cannot pronounce. Cause Automobile Club West. Thank you. And it was given the full television treatment as though it was the traditional 24-hour of Le Mans. So they had proper commentators, they had proper uh, pundits there that were helping to explain some of the technical details, like Alan McNeish was there. They had a, um eSports specialist there as well who knew the eSports ones. They had proper drivers we would recognise from turning up and doing Le Mans, like Alonso, Bet Button, um, Leclerc, people like that, racing in the different all the different categories, so the LMP1, LMP2 and the GT3s. And it was superbly done. Considering that we had to do social distancing and, and everything else, it ran really well. There was two times during the whole 24 hours that the servers had issues. So they had to have full re uh, red flags, whole course red flags. So they had to pull over and stop for a bit of time. I think it was about half an hour in each one. Or they mm -hmm. had to reboot them, find out what the bug was, get rid of that, and then restart again. And then there was a virtual, there was a safety car as well that they were coming round behind. So when you were in the uh, cameras in the uh, sort of pit, um, trackside or in the cars themselves, the graphics were really impressive on the R Factor game. Uh, they didn't use iRacing, they used R Factor. And it was really close to being uh, Bob on, and nighttime it was the same, and all this sort of stuff. So I was incredibly impressed. And as the car, it, I mean, and they used commentators that normally are speaking on uh, real life motorsport as well. And and as they themselves, who would they've had to go through a transition as the rest of us watching motorsport as it's moved to online, they've had to uh, transfer and they've come to realise and be impressed by what can be managed nowadays mm -hmm. with someone on a computer sort of thing. It, it is really amazing. Now, there was a couple of glitches that people, I mean, like Leclerc got particularly stuffed. He had a problem just before getting in the pit lane and was given a drive-through penalty. Uh, no, that was Alonso, sorry. It's coming into pit lane, but got a drive-through penalty just before he entered the uh, pit lane, which they wouldn't allow, the game wouldn't allow him to go to his pit to refuel to then go and serve the stop-and-go penalty. It took him straight to the stop-go penalty, which then meant he had to crawl all the way around. And oh, then, so it was one of those which, okay, the, they've, the people who write the game have never probably thought of that as a situation. Now they know it, that will be removed. But, but you, you bet it will be sorted, though. Yeah, it's going to be sorted. But the commitment from the drivers, 
because most teams had a couple of professional drivers uh, and a couple of really, really good sim drivers or um, e-racers and stuff. And the commitment from everybody involved was just brilliant. Uh, I watched a lot of the Jimmy Broadbent stream because he he was with Robert Wickens, a chap from the DTM who was superb as well, and uh, another online racer. And the effort these people put in, to all of them put in, to try and race as hard as they could, put on a good show and do as well as they could was utterly amazing. We discussed this brief. This was briefly mentioned on the Zoom Zoomers last night, and of course, I, I hadn't seen any of it, so I couldn't offer an opinion. But some of the chaps who who had seen it were saying that. Well, the first part was the first question was: So, did anybody feel that as a television viewer, not someone there, you felt it was any different? And people were saying they actually, to an extent, felt it was better. And we're just saying that the level of production and the way they did sort of 30 minutes with one person and the way the interviews and the, the experts were, they said was absolutely excellent. If they could do that, if they could have that level of production on the TV channel for the real race, if it's like that in September when it's running, yeah, uh, then that's going to be fantastic. And hopefully it will actually move on the quality of the TV coverage of now they can the see real can life race. Yeah. But everyone was saying, the people who watched it was were saying just how, how good it was and how much they'd enjoyed it as a facsimile of the, the real thing. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obviously not the, the real thing. But the, you cannot fault the commitment from everybody involved. No one was there just messing about like it was a bit of fun. Everyone was serious to, to do the best they could. And that was reflected. And when someone made a mistake, you could you could tell... It was like, oh no, I've done that, and you know, it. Okay, they weren't then going to the medical centre, but they had, they were as disappointed as they could be mm-hmm. that something had gone wrong, and that's what you want when somebody's giving that level of commitment and that effort into something. And yeah. I, I think it's, I think it was a great advert for online racing, and mm-hmm. it will hopefully push some of the online racing events to up their production skills not necessarily how they can't compete on the money that was spent but they could see certain things that happened and say okay what we've done is a bit naff maybe we can do this and this which still allows people to just casually watch and enjoy it wouldn't it be better if type stuff Yeah. yeah 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 fantastic anyway Good. I'm really pleased that that was that. that, that I was a little worried well. that it wasn't going to be great, it, and then people would go, "Oh, you see, you see, oh, isn't it rubbish? This online racing." And that just annoys me because the online racing world has opened its arms to everybody, and um, some people have been a little bit silly in how they've reacted to it, and they've not covered themselves in glory because the online racing world could have just gone, "No, stuff you. You've said we're rubbish for years. Why should you come over no. here now?" And they didn't. So, yes. Anyway, our lunchtime watch. Our lunchtime watch uh, this week is television's Paul Cowland. That is his full title, ladies and gentlemen. He is building the perfect Ford Mustang. Arguments in the comments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if such a thing exists, etc., etc., etc. And he's, he, he, he starts off by taking it back to the dealership to have some bits fitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of alignment stuff to just try and make sure that everything is as is as square as it can be. 
before he, he 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 moves on to the fun stuff as he puts it so let's just see what happens there so i mean it, it's described as part one so i imagine there will be more parts yes it's only four and a half minutes long something like four minutes yeah, 20. it's just so, a shorty so it's just a quick introduction to what he's hoping to do so it's a good one mm-hmm. list of the week this week it ties in with the uh sad death of a chap called hans mesker who I, and I profess my ignorance here, hadn't actually, I didn't know his name. I knew what he'd done, but I didn't didn't know his ah, name. Well, ironically, I knew of the name, but didn't understand the significance. Right. Okay. <laughs> so <yeah>. between us. <laughs> there's, there's a reason we do a podcast together, folks. Uh, and and this, is, this is kind of it. And he was a Porsche race car designer uh, race engine designer uh, he is most famous for i've talked before about how about how i i still have the posters that hung above my bed when i was a kid and there's there's two celebrating 50 years of porsche and one is the road cars the other one's the race cars what i didn't realize is is Hermetska is responsible for the engines in all of my favorite ones on the race car poster <laughs> from the 901 and then of course most famously the 917 that fabulously low amazing le mans car yeah primarily le mans car uh, you know the 917k uh, uh with the, the 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 short tail and then then obviously the later longer tailed models as well as well as stuff like the 935 the the moby dick the the engines in that all these kind of things. It's just quite incredible. Uh, so, yes, sadly, we lost him uh, a few days ago. That ties into our list of the week, which are, of course, his top six uh, greatest hits. It's linked to Top Gear. I've kind of run through some of them, but not all of them, kind of intentionally, uh, in this case. But do take a little take a little bit of a, a, a look and just see it was, i hadn't realized it was the the same the same chap who was responsible for so many of of the sort of awesome dream cars that i looked up to as a kid yeah and the last L- one on the literally. list i was i was really surprised at but was that was an amazing touch a detailed touch by that company yes yes it, it, i was quite surprised by that as well and finally this week yes um, we're going to discuss uh, Charles Leclerc apparently storm around Monaco with the HP Ferrari, sort of aping the Le Grand Rendezvous film. And honestly, don't, right? So it is. It is what five minutes of your life you'll never get back again. Quite. It's the same director. It's Claude Lelouch, who, of course, is so famous for City of Rendezvous, in which he or someone went from one side of Paris up to Sacré-Cœur at the top of Montmartre and um, stepped out of the car and walked across, and there was a lovely, attractive, uh, one assumes French lady waiting yeah, we've, there for we've, him. we've uh, linked to that in the past on the show. We've put Many that times. out as a, as a uh, and finally in other things, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's in my blog post of things, things what you should, of uh, YouTubes that you should watch. Yeah. It, it, it's in there. Um, and, and so this was meant to be, this is filmed as a remake and it's just odd. So rather than sit here and abuse it for a few minutes, which is tempting because it is kind of that grim. There are plenty of things to pick at. 
well, there's no excitement. There's no story. There's nothing unanswered. There's, there's. It's clearly a completely closed road and completely closed circuit. And then I don't really understand the bit with Prince Albert, who you can't really tell is Prince Albert because he's got uh, anti-COVID mask on and all these kind of things. So what I recommend instead. <laughs> Is, yeah, there's, there's another couple of things which we'll, we'll link to in the show notes. So if you really want to see cool cars going around Monaco and other parts of the world and through beautiful cities, uh, then I recommend the the Shell, that wonderful Shell advert from a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Shell and Ferrari one. So if you want to see Ferraris doing cool stuff on closed roads in, in, in cities, go watch that instead. I was going to call it the Incredible Dream, but actually that's the Honda one, isn't it? Yeah. And the alternative one is the last Viper one from Pennzoil. Um, there will be links in the show notes, uh, which is which is just some fantastic driving of a of a of a, a, a Viper. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So go go watch that. And thanks to and thanks to Lewis Kingston for the the, the recommendation it's there. So do. Do have a look. There's lots of other cool stuff you could watch that will spare you watching Charles Leclerc. Yes. Poor, which and I you know, it, it's nice, it's pretty enough. It's just not it's not nice. his fault. <laughs> it's just not special. Yeah. It's just uh, it is the Ferrari Ferrari SF ninety, by the way. Mm. That's what he's driving. I, I actually had to wait until I read a story to find out what that was. <sighs> which is bad, I suppose. Right, shall we move on from that? Not uh, often we have a slightly gloomy and finally, but I couldn't resist it. We just had to talk about it and didn't really fit anywhere else. Yeah. Parish notes. There'll be a special edition out this Friday. There will be. Well, yes. Yes, there will be a special edition out this Friday. Maybe a bit later on Friday, but it's out. Yeah, because I think it's... Yeah. Thursday is going to be a busy day for Andrew and Alan. <laughs> and uh, what else? Uh, so Zoom Zoomers is still going on Monday evening, 8 p.m. live stream. It's on the YouTube as well. You might have noticed we have, there is a competition going uh, to try and find out the uh, car users, manufacturers, uh, I've forgotten the rest of the ridiculous acronym. Or what the acronym they, they came up with an for. acronym and decided what, tried no, they, to work out they, how to make no, up with no, it. No, Damien came up with an acronym, which is come to it. Okay. Yes which you can't say with a straight face. Uh, but there's, there's, there will be more votes uh, throughout this week to, to then find out uh, who's working their way through the semi-final. I still can't keep a straight face. Review. Go listen to previous episodes. Andrew will, uh, uh, Andrew will, will is taking, uh, is taking and accepting uh, bribes. Uh, and names for anyone that he should pester for the next series of review. Yep. I think that's me covered everything. Yes, I think so. They're brilliant. So don't forget, everyone, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about our Mission Motorsport COVID-19 fund, uh, raising and if you want to help us in the meantime do please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing 
Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? With Semaphore, probably. Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there, although I might be quiet. And Alan, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and perhaps share their worry that there may no longer be a GR Yaris coming out? I just feel it's going to be like the last crazy nuts car from a manufacturer we're going to see for a while. That's I my worry, think because so. there will be the massive lockdown of everything and nobody shall spend any money, uh, whether manufacturers say that or not. And that that's actually where my worry is there. Uh, but you can get in touch with me via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.